0: And we are back on Get Up as we reach the top of a new hour. We are coming to you live, as always, above the Heineken River deck at Pier 17. Kmart's ready to roll. Timmy Legler's knocking down threes as the NBA second season starts tonight. Tim Hasselbeck and Harry Douglas are up with us early this morning as well. Let's go for hour number two. And Tim, let's begin with some QB quick reads. Let's start with Russell Wilson. Where do you expect him to land for next season?
4: Well, if I have to pick a team, I guess I'll say the Atlanta Falcons. But I think it's a really tricky situation. Russell Wilson's made a ton of money and he's going to make a lot of money for doing nothing if the Broncos cut him. I don't know that I see him playing for league minimum for someone else. When look at the end of the 2024 season, he'll have made $300 million playing football. Why is he going to play for a million dollars for the Falcons? I'm not sure he
0: will be very interesting to see where that goes next. Is Caleb Williams the best quarterback
4: in this draft? I don't believe that he is. Look, this isn't a shot at Caleb Williams. He's obviously a really talented prospect. He's got an unbelievable ability to create. I just think there's a better quarterback in this class, and it happens to be Drake May. So, look, I know that we'll debate. Guys will be linked forever throughout their careers, but ultimately I think there's a better prospect than Caleb Williams at quarterback.
0: And that, of course, brings us to the Chicago Bears, who have that first pick. What's the best fit for Justin
4: Fields if it isn't in Chicago? I think it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's a lot to like about the Steelers, their organization, what they probably will do offensively under new offensive coordinator Arthur Smith, some of the players that are already on the roster. Look, the deal with Fields is he has an amazing ability. He just hasn't worked out right away in Chicago and so they have to reset at quarterback.
0: I'm completely with you, and I agree on the Pittsburgh of it all. In the meantime, there is so much uncertainty surrounding the future of Justin Fields, and people made a big deal of the fact that he unfollowed the Bears on Instagram this week. Well, he has now explained it. He went on the St. Brown Brothers podcast, and here's what he said.
1: Why do people take social media so serious? Like. <laughs> But like, why, <laughs> why you why you don't follow the Bears? This and that, like I still mess with the Bears. This and that, I'm just trying to take a little break. I, I'm following the Bears and the NFL, bro. I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. Okay. Every Bears post, it's either I drive, see the uh, follow. it's nah, let's see see the drive, Caleb. So it's like, bro, man, I'm tired yeah. of hearing the talk. Of course, I want to stay. Um, to be honest, bro, I will be trying to like, you know, with all the talk, it's it's, it's hard to, you know, I. Guess kind of just boom, be in one place, but I can't see myself playing in another place. But I feel like the biggest thing with all this going on right now, I just wanted to be over.
0: All right, so that is so perfectly handled. I mean, he said, all, in my opinion all the right things in all the right ways. Yes. Why do people take social media seriously? I still mess with, so with the seriously? Bears. I mean? mess with the Bears. You know what? They've messed with him long <laughs> enough. Justin Fields <laughs> is getting up out of Chicago. It will be the best thing that could possibly happen to him. It will likely happen next week. Mm-hmm. Is that the scuttle? You'll be there in Indianapolis. Yeah. All the GMs will be in all those back rooms oh and my someone's yes. going to trade for Justin Fields.
3: Yeah, this is what I expect. Like Picture it. The scene in India at the NFL Combine. It is these clandestine conversations between GMs and agents and other teams in hotel rooms and then they get behind the podium and they posture and they act like well we don't know what we're doing and then late night the reporters we are all trying to figure out what actually is really going down that's what the week of the combine is about and my expectation would be that the Bears every everybody I've talked to says the Bears have to move on from Justin not because it's Justin's fault but because they got to reset everything they've got to get a young quarterback fine well, I would expect them to have those conversations so that by the time the league year starts, they have parameters in place. They can they can make a decision because Justin, forget what he said, we understand. Like, Justin is reading the tea leaves just like the rest of us. All this Caleb Williams talk, he understands his time is short in, in Chicago. And for him, it's easier for him to know, where am I going to be? Let's just get that going. And also other teams have to know. If they have an opportunity to get Justin, well, then now we know we can pivot in the draft and address other positions. What
0: do go. you think of it all, Harry Douglas?
1: Yeah, for Justin Fields, um, Greeny, I agree with you. I think he gave the politically correct answer. And I feel like for this situation, that was needed. There's no reason to throw gas on mm-hmm. the on the fire and, and, and make— more flames than what's already happening right now in Chicago. We understand that they're looking at a quarterback and taking that quarterback at number one overall. And I also agree with him saying, hey, he just wants it to be over. I think it's in the best interest of all three parties, Justin Fields, the Chicago Bears, and also whatever team trades for him, that he hurry up and gets to that team so he can move forward with his young career. And as far as social media, I I, I don't think just unfollowing the Chicago Bears and the National Football League is going to stop you from seeing things on your timeline about the entire situation. So if you feel like it's it's becoming you know unbearable, just delete the social media app.
0: And, and to sort of wrap up this part of it, Tim, if I'm going to make my case for Justin Fields, I'm going to say this look at other young quarterbacks drafted into really bad situations in recent years just in his own draft look at Zach Wilson. look at Mac Davis who uh, Mac Davis Mac Jones, who was drafted into a situation, candidly, infinitely better than the one Justin Fields was. Look at Sam Darnold just a few years ago. Their careers were largely destroyed by the situations into which they were placed. Look at Justin. He's managed to rise above a, yeah. a series of, of complications, at least the equal of what those guys faced. And I think that should go as a, a positive. If you're, you're checking boxes on him, I think he's done very well considering the circumstances, and that's why there is interest in him around
4: the league. It's a great point, Greeny. Look, how he's handling this makes, you know, Pittsburgh, makes him more attractive to a team like Pittsburgh or the Raiders or something like that. Like, you like to see this type of maturity through a really hard situation. Like, I got. And so, look, that's why... As we're talking about this, look, him not being in Chicago, I don't think it's because the whole league thinks, look, you can't win and be successful with Justin Fields. I think it's because, look, they haven't turned it around as quickly as they wanted to turn it around, and they have an opportunity to reset at quarterback. He is available. He's more attractive to the rest of the league than the guys that you mentioned that are contemporaries of his. And I would just say this, like, I I would hate to play in this era of social media Seeing it all the time, and the reason everyone's making it like we're leading the show with it. Like, I like <laughs> that's the deal. And maybe look, that's why the Falcons and Harry Steve is gonna, gonna be interested in them. So, yeah, I think, every, I think there's a lot of meat on this bone with Justin Fields. Yeah. Is, is that a, a, sol- a subliminal message?
0: Yeah, very Sorry.
3: subtle, not, subtle. Not unlike subtle. Justin
0: Fields subliminally messaging the <laughs> Chicago Bears by unfollowing them. Look, at the end of the day, I'll put the over under it next Thursday and a half. Okay? Next next Friday is the day the Bears traded the first pick last year. Next Thursday and a half is the over-under on when Justin Fields gets traded. Atlanta, Pittsburgh, or maybe a surprise along the way. Meanwhile, basketball, they're back and better than ever tonight. The season's ceremonial second half. Good slate coming up. Let's fill in the blank, Tim Legler. Let's get to business here. If I said to you, this year's MVP is what? Wide open. And it's the first time I think I've been this
2: late in the season and I feel it's this wide open. And it's because of Embiid's injury. I think he had his hands around the trophy. He went down. He's removed from the equation. There are a number of guys. I can make a case for probably four to six players that are going to get votes. So it's going to be determined, Greeny, in the last 25 games of the season. I really believe that it's neck and neck with a number of people. All right, next question. The Warriors' season will end with what? Best case scenario, a first round loss. Worst case, a play in loss. I just don't see. Golden State making that kind of a run. They're too small. They're not good enough defensively, and they have too many guys that are just performing below their career norm. It's not just one guy. They've been better of late, but when you look at the Western Conference, I've talked about
0: it all morning. I just don't see Golden State winning a series. Life comes at you fast. Two years ago, we thought they were on their way up. Finally, next year, LeBron will be playing for who? Lakers. Look, I think LeBron James, a couple things. One, I
2: think he orchestrated his move to L.A. for reasons that are even beyond basketball. But the brand and the uniform that he's wearing out there were important to him. The market's important to him. I think he's comfortable out there. I think that's why he went there in the first place. He's also, I think, sleeping well at night with his legacy. I I think he understands that in most people's minds, he can win three more championships. He's not closing the gap with Jordan. In, in, the, in the court of public perception, I think LeBron is finally comfortable in his own skin with what he has done to the game. I don't think there's any insecurity there. He's comfortable. If he never wins another one, I think he's going to be just fine where he ranks
0: historically. So when you add those things up, I think the Lakers is where he finishes his career. That's fair that there is, however, beyond whatever his chase for Jordan might be and, and however important that is to him, just the desire to win. Yeah. If you're going to continue to play, you want to have a chance to win. Do the Lakers, in the relatively short term, give him the best chance to win one more championship?
2: Not, no. Uh, obviously, if he leaves, but it would depend on who he pairs up with. I mean, so you could lay out scenarios for me and say, give me one. Go join some young stars, like, like if he goes to Philadelphia with a healthy Embiid, like is that a possibility? Yeah, that would probably give him a better chance than what he's got now. But a lot of those scenarios aren't really plausible to think LeBron James would end up in those markets. So we can play that game all the time. You 99% of all these things we talk about that are hypotheticals never happen. We waste a lot of time on them, but they don't really happen. He's paired with another star. Unfortunately, right now for LeBron James, the rest of that roster is not good enough. And the Western Conference continues to get better and separate, I think, more from the Lakers. That Let me just throw,
0: of- throw this at you. So we were just over there talking about Justin Fields and unfollowing on Instagram and all of that. I mean, LeBron has been sending some liminal messages yeah. that he maybe isn't as satisfied and isn't as happy. And then the Warriors made their call, you know, Woj and Ramona's story. And, and LeBron seemed to confirm he wants to stay in L.A. But those things are always subject to change. I still have this fantasy <laughs> of LeBron and Steph teaming it up. Look, you just yeah. sat here and told me the Lakers can't make a run and the Warriors can't make a run. I don't want to have seen the last of LeBron and Steph. They're the Butch and Sundance of our generation. Let's put them together one time and let them make a run at this thing. Is there no chance of something like that
2: happening? I'm never going to say there's no chance of anything in the NBA with what I have seen over the last decade, right, in player movement and, and more star players changing teams more often than they ever have in this league. I would never, there's no scenario you could pitch to me that I would say absolutely can't happen. Not in the NBA circle. So, yeah, that's possible. I mean, we heard, you know, a little bit of smoke there heading into the trade deadline. It turns out there wasn't a lot to it, apparently, but we're always going to talk about it. And here's the thing about LeBron and Steph, regardless of whether they're on teams right now that can contend, and I don't think either one of those teams can this year, they're still fascinating. They are still going to be incredibly entertaining and scary if you're one of those top seeds And that is your reward for the season you've had, to be a one or a two seed. And you get the Lakers and LeBron, and you get the Warriors and Steph Curry in a best of seven. It's still a scary proposition, but ultimately, I just don't think it's enough
0: with either one of these teams. No, I'm with you. I'm just sitting here, I'm picturing I'm Steph Curry, and I'm still playing at an all-world level. I'm one of the great players of all time, and I get knocked out in the second round, and my coach says, we maxed out. We did everything we were capable of doing. I want, if I'm him, I want more than that. And, And look, I understand, I would understand why Steph Curry would want that and even recruit him and try to make that happen.
2: And I don't think anybody would, it wouldn't be a knock on Steph. You know why? Because he's got two rings that he won without Kevin Durant. Right. Steph Curry has two of those. He's proven what he can do. As the top of the food chain, on a with a franchise, so he's very comfortable with what again he has secured. So let's just go try to find some rings. And pairing up with LeBron might give him his best chance. Because when you look at what's happening with Golden State and like their future and what their roster looks like right now, it doesn't look like Steph Curry could win another one in Golden State as currently constructed, unless
0: you added a guy like that. Let's make this happen. Get me Steph's number. You right, you I will. Get me Steph's number. I'm gonna. We sh- this thing needs to happen. We will make it happen this summer if we have any control over it. In the meantime. Another of the immortals of this generation is on the way. The KDKO. Mr. Durant has a lot to say. The question is, does it make sense? We'll talk about it. Plus, we've done the Mahomes-MJ comparison. But one NFL coach is taking it to a whole other level. Has he figured out the secret to slowing down the GOAT? We'll answer that question next. We are back on Get Up. Let's go on Wide Receiver Watch. Harry Douglas, let's get to business here. Should the Bills trade Stefan Diggs? Harry, what do you think?
1: Greeny, I'm going to go with the no. We talk about a guy that's an alpha dog, a number one wide receiver still in this league. You look at the last four years, Stefan Diggs has had over 100 receptions in each one of those years. 445 to be exact over 5,300 yards and 37 touchdowns. I think if the Buffalo Bills want Super Bowl aspirations, Stephon Diggs has to be on that football team next year. All
0: right, next, another AFC contender. Should the Bengals put the franchise tag on T. Higgins?
1: This is a hell yes, especially if they can't work out a a, a deal. I really like uh, T. Higgins in his game. You talk about being paired with Jamar Chase. You had two number one wide receivers, a guy that has an, an amazing catch radius, can do a lot of different things on the football field, try to make this Super Bowl run with Joe Burrow and get there and try to win it. T. Higgins has to be a part of that as well. And then let me give you one more. Should the Chiefs go hard after Mike Evans? At what cost? That's my question. If we're talking about losing a guy like Chris Jones, I'm going to say no. But if you can make it work being able to sign Chris Jones and also Mike Evans, hell yes. You talk about a guy that you know proved that he is consistent every year in the National Football League over 1,000 yards. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's a veteran wide receiver. He's a physical guy. He can catch the jump balls. So if you can keep Chris Jones, yes, I do believe you should pursue Mike Evans as well.
0: An interesting one to watch. Look, at the end of the day, they've got two star defenders, Chris Jones and LeJaria Sneed, they have to figure out. But at the end of the day, it all comes down in Kansas City to their quarterback. Now, you may recall their last loss of the season came on Christmas Day, and that was against Antonio Pierce's Las Vegas Raiders. So earlier this week, Pierce was talking about the Raiders channeling the old bad boy Detroit Pistons when they try to shut down Sir Patrick. You got the Jordan rules, and we, I'm
1: calling now
2: from now on, as long as I'm here, the Patrick Mahomes rules. Yeah. So you remember when Jordan was going through it with the Pistons, all those guys in the 80s before he came, Michael Jordan, Air Jordan, the Pistons used to whoop his yeah. Anytime he came to the home, elbows, yeah. filling them, love taps. We touched them. we in the head mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I'm touching you. Mm-hmm. So I showed those
3: guys Jordan getting his whooped.
0: Oh, that's for you know, those of us who remember it. the Jordan rules, yes. know exactly what he's talking about. I see the laughter on the face of our quarterback, Tim Hasselbeck. Does that work? Can they, for lack of a better word, can they intimidate or um, beat up Patrick Mahomes? Is that the secret to finally knocking off the Chiefs?
4: Look, I don't know if it'll work, but I love you, AP. Never change, man. Never change. That's exactly how he was as a player. It's why he was always one of the most respected teammates in any locker room. It was teammates with him at two different spots. And it's why players right now are loving playing for him. Because look, that's just how he Like that is exactly how he is. Like we, we guys were talking about leadership before. Like that's authentic AP right there. His team is gonna love to hear it. And truthfully, I don't know that there's a better plan. deal with patrick mahomes than that so look he might hear from the league office but uh, i i know that his team is going to rally around his message that's for sure i I, that's that's what i thought of look we all remember greg williams and Mm -hmm. bounty gate and all of that
0: stuff and and i mean there was a financial um reward involved in all of that but at the end of the day the league does not like the idea of knocking out quarterbacks they do everything they can to keep the quarterbacks healthy, and for obvious reasons, and Mahomes is overwhelmingly the biggest and best of all of those. Harry, what do you think of this?
1: Well, what head coach Antonio Pierce is talking about the Las Vegas Raiders actually displayed when they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They sacked them four times. They had ten Q, uh, QB hits. They forced two turnovers. Not only did they force those turnovers, they scored touchdowns, defensive touchdowns. That's 14 points. So I think what is what he's saying is that hey, we gotta continue to be around Mahomes, sack him hit him, and give our team an opportunity and a chance. I think when you look at some of the great quarterbacks that played this game, you look at Tom Brady. What did he not like? He didn't like pressure up the middle. If you were able to you know, get to him, you could affect the way he played the game. The same thing with Aaron Rodgers as well. If you get to Aaron Rodgers, no quarterback likes pressure. No quarterback likes bodies around him. And no quarterbacks uh, like being sacked as well. It's no different with Patrick Mahomes.
0: So I, I turned to Kimberly Martin, and again, to set up her credentials. She was uh, the enforcer, the goon on her middle school basketball team, yeah, the
3: maybe. Charles
0: Oakley of that group, if you will, and Charles was an enforcer and he was an intimidator. Can mm-hmm. can teams intimidate Patrick Mahomes?
3: Well, you know, I love this energy um, as a reform goon myself. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, again, like Tim said, I don't know if it'll work, but this is what you want to hear. This is why he's the head coach because he brought that attitude, that energy, that hater energy. Listen, defensive guys, I remember David Harris in the Jets locker room said to me once, "Defensive players are natural born haters. They love to take stuff away from you. They love to intimidate you and impose their will on you." And that's what if you're going to rebuild a culture, and that's what AP was trying to do last year. And I think that needs to continue. Max Crosby sitting next to him, he was loving that because we love that physicality from the Raiders and Antonio Pierce is a Raider
0: through and through. I get it. But I mean, I don't mean to be the spoiler here. You're being a spoiler. Well, but there's there's a fine line between physicality, which everyone likes, and all that stuff. And we don't want – there is literally nothing worse that can happen in the NFL next year than Patrick Mahomes getting hurt. He's the league's biggest star. He is the face. He's the best player. And the league does not want their quarterbacks getting hurt. So uh, there's a fine line between saying we have to be physical with him, which everyone – would be fine with, and saying we're going to go after the head and all that kind of stuff, which you we know heard what? a little bit you of. You know
3: what else? This could backfire because Patrick Mahomes will hear this, and I guarantee you if they play and he, and he beats them, he will post Jordan, like a Jordan like a picture on Instagram, and say, okay, how about those rules? Like, yeah,
0: Tim, Mahomes final word on that. What, 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 <laughs> how, how about that?
4: Just yeah. the fine line here. Yeah, I mean, look. I, listen. I think AP was smart at how he worded this. Look, we're going to touch him. We're going to affect him emotionally. Like, what's the league office going to tell him to do? Like, hey, you're not allowed to affect the player emotionally. Like, they can't. <laughs> what are they going to say to him about that? I think what AP did was brilliant. He's saying, you know, the the stuff that guys have said in the past, but he's doing it in a way that, like, I, I don't know that you can find him for it. And I think he's also communicating the message to his football team of, look, this is what we are going to do. And, look, I think Antonio would say, look, getting hit when you play quarterback, like, that's part of the job. That's kind of the cost of doing business. You know, the league maybe can't
0: do anything about these comments, but it certainly can tell the officials when they've got the Raiders versus the Chiefs be keeping a close eye on that. You could see a festival of flags if they go after him. I don't know. There's. Look, it's fun, but there's something about it that feels maybe not as much fun. Come on, Greeny. Look, I'm not fun. What can I say? (laughs) I've never been fun. I don't pretend (laughs) to be fun.
3: Football, Greeny. It's football. Football, Greeny.
0: Damn. (laughs) QB or not QB? (laughs) Which NFL teams need to make sure they draft one? We've got the definitive list next. doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com
4: hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in
3: bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
0: We're back on Get Up at the bottom of the hour. And yesterday I did uh, this green list on moves that should take place this offseason. And it got so much reaction, I wanted to share it with our group today as well. And you see them there. Number five, I'd like Devontae Adams traded to the Jets for obvious reasons. Number four, Stefan Diggs traded to the Cowboys. Number three, I want Justin Fields to wind up in Pittsburgh. Number two, I believe the Las Vegas Raiders desperately need to move up and get a quarterback. And number one, the New York Giants making the aggressive move up to draft Drake May. There is a lot of pressure on Brian Dayball, the coach of the Giants, who a year ago today was the NFL coach of the year. Now he finds himself very much on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. But he made his bones, if you will, by turning Josh Allen into Josh Allen. Feels to me like Drake May has got a lot of similarity there. That feels like the move. When you hear about teams talking about trading up in the quarterback conversations, you think the Giants might get involved?
3: I think they need to. Because as much as Joe Shane and Brian Dable came together from Buffalo, that the, the feel-good feelings surrounding this pairing They've sort of dissipated over the last season. Last season was uh, was not good, and then you saw the coaching staff issues that they've had. Brian Dable went from a Coach of the Year candidate, uh, winner to now. People are wondering about his future. Greenie, I had a GM text me this week saying keep an eye on Brian Dable and what the Giants could do if this season goes bad. Mm-hmm. They, like, and already mentioning possible names. Like, the season hasn't even started, and people are looking at the Giants' situation and saying that might be a, an open head coaching position. Well, here.
0: And look, well, you see where they sit. They're at number six, which is at where they currently sit is too low to get one of yeah. the top three ranked quarterbacks in this draft and probably too high to take any of the others. So it's a little bit of a no-man's land. And for those who are saying, well, how about Daniel Jones? Some think he's better than others think. But, Tim, you made an important point about him regardless of how good you think he is.
4: Yeah, say you think he's a great player. He's never healthy. You can't count on him. That's the problem. He's in Jimmy Garoppolo territory in terms of that. Like, even if you think you could build around him, he hasn't proved to be healthy enough that that can be the case. And so I like your idea. And, okay, I think that if you can you know, have the opportunity to get Drake May because you know, presumably in this scenario, the first two teams picking did not select Drake May, then go do it. Look, you said a lot of similarities between he and Josh Allen. Like if you know that you were getting Josh Allen, like every team in the league would be like, yes, I'm interested in that. He's been one of the most gifted and talented players in the National Football League. So I think that it makes a ton of sense. The Giants need to solve their quarterback problem. I believe Drake May would do that. So if you're home watching,
0: I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, wait a minute, Greeny. The Patriots would have to be willing to trade out of that pick.
3: That was my Why
0: favorite. would they do that? Mm-hmm. Well, let me show you a tweet from our Matt Miller. He's our buddy here, our, combo, our, um, our draft special, uh, specialist, analyst, uh, works with us here at ESPN. And he tweeted this. He tweeted, the Patriots should not draft a quarterback at number three overall. This roster isn't ready for a rookie quarterback and would just set his development back. This isn't Houston with a Hall of Fame left tackle and solid supporting cast. This is closer to Carolina, and we saw how that worked out. Interesting take. Harry Douglas, what do you think of it?
1: Oof, man, that's a tough one because if you're the New England Patriots and you feel like your quarterback of the future is in this draft, you have to take them at number three. You, you, you have to. I, I don't think you can... You know, wait until other years to say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna fill other areas, and then maybe we can be in a situation to draft our quarterback of the future in 2025, 26." It doesn't work like that. If you feel like your guy is in this draft, if you're Gerard Mayo, if you're Robert Kraft, you have to take that guy at number three overall.
0: What do you think of that, Kmart? The whole idea of if you're not ready to support a young quarterback, you shouldn't take one.
3: No, absolutely not. I'm big on if you have conviction, strong conviction, I love this guy. He's the one. You got you to gotta get him. Especially, and this is what I brought up to you yesterday, Greeny, when I saw your list. My first thought wasn't, this makes perfect sense for the Giants and Jake May. My first thought was, why would the Patriots allow the Giants to jump ahead of them to take a quarterback that, theoretically, the Patriots actually could use? We've talked all year, all, every season, every offseason, about how critical quarterbacks are. And the Patriots do not have their answer in the building. And you have a new head coach, new regime. They need an answer quick.
0: uh, Timmy, I want to get the final word on this from you, but I'll just throw a quick thought in there. At this time last year, or leading up to the draft last year, the conventional wisdom was... Well, whichever of the quarterbacks goes to Carolina, he's the one in great shape. They've got Frank Reich. They've got Andy Dalton ready there uh, as as the bridge quarterback. They've got Josh McCann. That's the one you want to go to. And Houston is the vast wasteland who just hired a defensive-minded head coach. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the disaster. And, of course, Exactly the opposite of those things is what happened. And we never know how these things are going to go. So in principle, I sort of agree with what Matt is saying. But the problem is you never know which winds up being
4: the right situation. Tim, what do you think of it all? Well, I would also say this good memory, granny, because like who was saying that Houston was this great situation no. with with this amazing supporting cat like. That was not the case. Someone like, I don't know, maybe Hembo can go research who actually thought Houston was some remarkable situation for a quarterback or solid supporting cast for somebody to have success. Guess what happened? They got it right on a bunch of draft picks and the quarterback ended up being a really good player. And D'Amico Ryans and his coaching staff did an incredible job, but nobody thought that that was the case in February of 2023. So if you have a quarterback that can play or you believe can play, go get him because he might help you get there faster, which is exactly what C.J. Stroud did in Houston. All right, Mm -hmm. and so we've talked about the Bears
3: at number Uh one.
4: And we've talked about the Patriots
3: Uh at number
0: three. We've left out the Commanders (laughs) at number two. And for this topic, we need to bring in an expert. Here is our Commander, Tim Legler. Born and raised a fan of the Washington football franchise. Excited as he can possibly be. And he is reporting for Doozy duty. Season ticket holder. Legs, it's obviously been a tough, well, two generations for yeah. your team. Uh, but now it's a new beginning. So what do you want them to do with the second half? Is pitch? it sad to say this is the best time of the year <laughs> to be a Commander's fan? Yes, Not during the season ever. It's, that's just
2: frustration. Look, this whole conversation that you all just had is a completely moot point. Drake May is going to be picked at two. Okay? the law. I trust the law firm of Peters, Kingsbury, and Quinn. Okay. okay. They're going to select Drake May if he's available at two. So this is all a nice move up to three to get him. I'm listening to what my man Tim Hasselbeck said about Drake May. Mm. I'm all in on Drake May. I've heard too many things about Caleb Williams that scare the heck out of me. Drake May, I haven't really heard that kind of talk. So I'm good if he's there. We take him. That's what I'm hoping. So
0: there, there, there's, there's Caleb Williams, who the expectation is will go one. Yes. And then the Commanders will be choosing between Drake yeah. May, we would assume, and Jaden Daniels, right. the Heisman Trophy winner from LSU. And if you listened to Lewis uh, Riddick on our show yesterday – He thinks that he had one of the great seasons you'll ever see in college football last year, that he actually is as good a thrower of the ball as any of the prospects in this class. The only question about him is his frame. He is, uh, for lack of a better word, slight.
2: Yep, And I think the last experience we had with a slightly built quarterback who made a big splash coming out was RG3 who had a very difficult time holding up. Now, I don't know if Daniels runs the ball runs as much as RG3 did uh, eventually. He's a good runner, yeah. He was going to take that hit and I think that's what I look at when I see him. I I worry about that scenario playing out all over again. Uh, I don't feel quite the same way about Drake May. A little bit Mm -hmm. bigger size, bigger in the frame, more of a pocket quarterback. I think that's what Washington fans are looking for. In case you were wondering if he Any big hits.
0: Oh, That's a tough one to watch. Uh, <laughs> Tim Hasselbeck, I mean, it's a serious question because, you know, I remember one time years ago asking Mel Kuyper, th- that same draft you're talking about, Andrew Luck went number one, RG3 went number two, and Russell Wilson went in the third round. And I remember asking Mel Kuyper, if Russell Wilson was six foot three, where would he have gone? And he said he might have gone number two behind Andrew Luck. Instead, he went in the third round. Mm-hmm. Now we've changed our perspective on on how much size matters for these quarterbacks to some degree, Tim. But the the frame of Jaden Daniels, how much of a concern would it be for you?
4: A huge concern. Look, we're so because whether it's been Baker Mayfield, whether it's been Kyler Murray, you know anybody that has not been, like I, I just don't, I don't think you can be like, hey, look at the success Drew Brees had. Let's. Keep drafting smaller quarterbacks. Like, he's the outlier. So I think that, like, this is a game that is played by, like, like the the most elite athletes on the planet. And so if you want to be at the very top of the draft, like, I don't think you start making concessions physically, athletically. I don't think you do that. Granny, you might remember when I was on with you and we're talking about Mac Jones. Like, I don't think you make concessions athletically at the very top of the draft. I don't think you do that. Drake May is going to be compared to Herbert, Allen, Mahomes, Ben Roethlisberger. Like, that is what you're getting with that type of athlete, size, frame, all of it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jaden Daniels, is not, he's not uh, short. He's, he's not uh, Kyler Murray and, and Baker Mayfield and, and Drew Brees were shorter. He's tall. He's just very, very thin. In the meantime... Harry has a little surprise for you, Tim Legler. Right. Legs doesn't know this is coming. Go ahead, Harry. What's this?
1: Oh, Tim, Tim, Tim. <laughs> the the, no, the, fri- the Saturday no, before the Super Bowl, no, we you were you on not. the same flight leaving Connecticut to Atlanta, no, you Georgia. Did not. Tim, you didn't even realize I was on the same no flight idea. as you. But I'm I'm not, noticed not you seen I noticed you sleeping.
2: Oh my goodness. I heard, I heard you, know you what?
1: snoring. You know why I'm
0: so
3: peacefully hey, Tim, sleeping? Cuz we're I in the office. I Washington. put it on am You to see it.
0: <laughs> Harry, well, this it, because it, it's hard to hear. <laughs> that is great. Say that again, Harry. Where did you
1: take this? I mean, we can see it's an airplane, but, but where were you going? So this was on the airplane going uh a flight to Atlanta, leaving Connecticut uh the the Saturday before the Super Bowl. Legs was knocked out, man. He was snoring. So I heard him snoring. <laughs> that was snoring, an That's right. I that said, was an this early is a perfect flight. opportunity for me one. to take a selfie. Yeah, that was an early yeah. flight. I remember that. Worked late Six, the night before. I think it was 6 a.m. It was that. a 6 a.m. flight. That's right.
0: That's right. A2, Harry. Oh, A2, oh I, I don't know. I owe you, I'll get you. What's <laughs> the etiquette on this, Kmart? I don't know. that we allowed to do that? Are we allowed to take selfies of snoring teammates?
3: No, Harry's a bad teammate. I don't, I'm not a fan uh, of we that. we got some not questions
0: here. That's questionable. That could have been significantly worse. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> that's all we got. That's, that's, I'm okay with that. All right, coming up, two of the NBA's biggest stars have a lot to say. The question is, do they make sense? Legs will answer that after we see if he can answer this. Here we go from Sneaky Hembo Legs. With the minimum being 200 attempts, who holds the NBA record for best three-point field goal percentage in a single season? Mm. Legs is a three-point specialist. Do you know your brethren? We'll find out
1: next. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. I wish you could see the
0: agonizing that is going on yeah. in our studio. Tim Legler, three-point specialist. Here's the question. Who has the NBA's record, with the minimum being 200 attempts in a season, for the highest three-point percentage in a single year? I don't
2: like when I think I know it, because Hemo is a terrible human being. We all know that. Yeah. He's an awful human being. Correct. He's soulless. Yes. So when I think I know it, I'm like, well, there's obviously something to this. So here's what I think. I remember because I finished second all-time in 96 just behind Steve Kerr. Kerr was like 52.4. I was 52.2. I was second all-time. And then we both got passed by this player who was playing in Utah, I believe, at the time. Barely qualified for the minimum number of attempts, but shot like 57% or something. Kyle Korver.
0: None of that is right. <laughs> Some of that was right. The answer is you, Tim Legler. The answer is you. That can't be. That's not right. You. Look at that picture, by the way, of Tim Legler. Yeah, Tim, come on, seriously. These guys have got a lot to say.
2: It's you, bro. Not, I don't think this is. Is this right?
0: Yes, that is correct. I mean, I'll take, take it. it. Yeah. I'll take it. You actually beat out Steve Kerr. Oh, maybe that the, maybe season. it's the attempts that I'm. Not, maybe that's what I'm not thinking. You of. beat out Steve Kerr that year, and Kyle Korver is nowhere even to be seen on the list. Uh, perhaps with a, a smaller number of attempts, but that, with the, the minimum it might, it might be the attempts that's throwing me off here. One way or another, I've never had a person, not all the years there. we've been doing the show, answer a question in which they themselves were the answer and get it wrong. Mark Sanchez always guessed himself, Rex Ryan always guesses himself, when in doubt, guess yourself. This reminds me of a center I played with, and I
2: won't say his name, in the NBA. We had a play called Five Down. He was the center. He played the five spot, five down. Get on the block. We throw you the ball. We called the play. He said, who's it for?
0: <laughs> Is it George Mirosan? You, no, it's not George Mirosan. I will not give up the name. <laughs> okay. It wouldn't have sounded like that if it was Big <laughs> Okay, fair enough. All right. Jimmy, Jimmy. Let, let's move on. Let's go. We got the season's uh, ceremonial second half beginning tonight. Let's do a fundamental. The top five title contenders, according to Tim Legler. Let's go. All right. Despite the fact that
2: I said the Celtics are the best team earlier, I'm going with the Denver Nuggets. And here's why I think their best basketball is coming. And I think by the time we get to the playoffs, They're going to remind people of how difficult it's going to be to beat this team, Uh, their core continuity, and the fact that they went through it together. They've been through every pressure situation imaginable, and there's just no matchup for that player. So I'm I'm still going to put Denver until they, they prove me wrong. I think they're number one. Number two is Boston, a team I just said. Everything's in place. This is the best team Jason Tatum has had in the era that he has been with the Boston Celtics. Everything should be in place. This is the most complete starting lineup in basketball. Uh, I don't necessarily think they're the deepest team, but they're so versatile with their starting five that in a lot of ways, that gives you a second unit because of the different positions that those guys can play. So I put balls to two. Right now, Clippers are scary to me in the West. I would put them at three. Um, When you look at the fact that Kawhi Leonard's been healthy and he's not practicing for the most part load management, he looks like the Kawhi Leonard, very similar to the one that led Toronto to a championship. And all the help he's got, Paul George, James Harden, Terrence Mann, a lot of role players. But there's going to be a lot of pressure on Harden and Paul George to deliver when they have to alongside of Kawhi. Right now, they look like they're rolling. Number four, Dallas Mavericks. We didn't talk enough about what they did at this trading deadline. It seemed like minor moves, adding Gafford P.J. Washington. I think they were significant. Now, with Lively in the center now and Gafford, you never have to go any stretch in a game where you're undersized in the middle, where you don't have an elite athlete that's a rim protector, that's a lob runner. They've got two of those guys now, and P.J. Washington, better fit than Grant Williams. And I'd put number five, the Phoenix Suns. I just think... This team can get so scary offensively by the time we get to the postseason that they could look like a team that could make a deep run. And and they've already shown glimpses of it, but it hasn't been a sustained stretch. I love the amount of shooting that they have around these star players. The question for them is going to be a little bit defense and a little bit size at times. But they could be so good with those three players, I don't know how you have enough scheme or personnel to be able to defend that.
0: All right, that's a very interesting list, and we'll probably have some people a little bit surprised. Let's dive into little bits of it. Let's talk about the Suns, first of all, and Kevin Durant. In case you haven't heard it yet, he had some interesting things to say about the way people perceive him, specifically his leadership style. Here's what he said.
3: I'm not as charismatic as my peers. I don't have a personality that's like fit for TV like my peers. And a lot of those stories of what we talk about don't get spoken about in the media. And that's just really what it is. It's like you gotta sell what you're doing as well. And I haven't sold it enough, you know, and I feel like I don't I mean I don't I don't feel like I need to. I don't feel like I want people to call me a leader, but I also don't want people to say I'm not one either.
0: So there's a million different ways we can dissect those comments. Let's dive into it from this perspective. The players he's talking about are LeBron James and Steph Curry, two of the greatest and most beloved superstars in the history of the sport. Along with Durant, those are the three players who will define this era. What is at stake for Durant? If he could lead this Phoenix team to a championship, what would it mean, do you think, for his legacy? Well, look, I'm a big believer, and not everybody agrees with this. I've always said not every ring
2: carries the same weight. And I think winning one in Phoenix. Even though he's got a lot of talent and you know that's what that's what star players have to have nowadays. It would mean more because the franchise has never been there. And he is clearly taking a group of guys that have never been to that place. He went to Golden State. They'd already been there, proven that they could do it. Yeah, he won two rings. He pretty much guaranteed two rings when he got there, and he won two finals MVPs. But he knows, and that's why he left. He never really was going to feel like he was given enough credit for doing that because of what was established before he got there. That's not the case here. This is, this is a franchise that's never done this. If he's able to do this, I think this is like the one thing left for Kevin Durant to do. That's how significant and important it would be.
0: The, the biggest mistake Kevin Durant made in his career was how he chose not his departure from Oklahoma City. If he wanted to do that and go to Golden State and win some championships, God bless him. Who, who am I to tell him he shouldn't have? Right. The biggest mistake he made when he left there was who he decided to ride with. He decided, I'm attaching myself to Kyrie. And I think that diminished, or at least it set back his chances of winning that championship you're talking about a great deal. Does he have the right guys, particularly in the form of Devin Booker? Does he have the right guy to do it with now?
2: Absolutely. I believe he does. Devin Booker, in particular, running alongside him. And if you want to question Kevin Durant's leadership over the years, like I, I kind of agree with Durant. He does it in an understated way. He does it with his approach to the game and the way that he plays and shows up every day. Now, if you want to blame a guy for not keeping the house in order internally, okay, maybe Maybe that was a little bit of the case with Oklahoma City, the way that all ended there. and They weren't able to break through. And then he goes to Brooklyn. And he wasn't really able to corral Kyrie and James Harden in to a certain extent. I guess that's a valid point. I, I kind of agree with Kevin Durant or the way he goes out about his business. You can lead the way that he leads. Guys have done it in an understated fashion. I think Kawhi Leonard's a great example of a guy that does that. I think Steph Curry is a guy that does that, so I agree. I think he has the right guy next to him in Devin Booker. Devin Booker has dog in him. He's got that look in his eyes. He's hungry. He wants it. He's going to show up when it matters. I think Kevin Durant is in place with the right people. The question is just going to be, is it good enough in what this Western Conference looks like? Because it
0: is that loaded. I'll tell you how it's good enough. It's good enough if Durant is the second best player in the playoffs. If Booker is the best, and we've seen him have stretches where he's unstoppable, that's when I think they could make a real run here. Great list, great work there, and obviously more basketball conversation coming up top of the hour. First take is on the way. Is LeBron the most important person for the Lakers' success? Is Giannis right? are the Bucs, Dames, team? First take, top of the hour. Thursday night is ESPN Hockey Night. Nikita Kucherov leads the league in points. He and the Lightning hosting Ovechkin in the Capitals. That's at 7 Eastern. Then on ESPN Plus, the Predators square off against the Kings. That game is at 10.30 Eastern time, and that's all the time we have for get up. We thank you for getting up with us. I'll be on ESPN Radio coast-to-coast in 60 seconds, but the conversation continues here with LeBron, KD, and more. First take starts now. Come on, get up!